Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon to you and yours. Dang, that Nick Saban, a former LSU star, looking for a new gig in the blink of an eye. The NBA playoffs, outstanding. And in the world of business and sports, the New Orleans Saints do a really, really good thing. We'll explain. All this and more coming your way as my main man, James Mesh, is back in the master control suite inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 in the great city of Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ in the fine, fine, great city of Lake Charles, where you'll find 1041 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And you know the drill. If you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on. Because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the LSU Tigers coming off of back-to-back losses for the first time this season got back on track thanks to -to -to back-to-back-to-back home runs. The last time LSU hit three consecutive home runs was back on May 5th, 2019 versus Ole Miss when Lafayette's finest Antoine DePlantis was backed up by Cade Beloso and then Josh Smith. So um, LSU gets it done over Northwestern State in a 14-4 mercy rule win. Um, All in all, they threw, they homered it four times. Thatcher Hurd got the start on the mound, pitched two and a third impressive innings. Uh, things started a little bit rough for him. The first batter he faced single in the left field, and then he walked the next batter. Um, after a fielder's choice put runners at the corners, a wild pitch brought home a run. But Hurd would get out of the inning on consecutive strikeouts, go on to retire the side in order in the second, and logged up two more strikeouts. So I'm telling you, Thatcher Hurd is is the missing link. He's got to be the one, and you got to give him some leeway because you know you're going to score some runs. So the question is, Thatcher Hurd, who threw 35 pitches on a Tuesday, we've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be his fifth day. Does he get the start from Jay Johnson? We'll see. LSU improves to 38-10 and 10 on the season. The Raging Cajuns suffered a tough loss, 12-8 to eight last night at Louisiana Tech. Um, 
another one of those in-state rivals. And you never know what you're going to get. UL jumped out to a two-zip lead. Tech scores four in the second, two more in the third to take a six-to-two lead. Cajuns tie it up with four in the fifth, so it's 6-6 going to the sixth. Cajuns take a 7-6 lead after six. They take a 7-6 lead until the bottom of the seventh when Tech exploded for five runs and uh, added another in the eighth to win it 12-8. So... The Raging Cajuns dropped down to 32 and 18 on the season. Meanwhile, the SEC softball tournament underway. LSU versus Ole Miss went extra innings. Ole Miss made the plays. They made the catches. They made the throws. LSU did not. And they're one and done at the SEC tournament as LSU loses five to three in their opener. They had six hits. But they also had four errors, the most this season. So they're out of the SEC tournament in Arkansas. Now they await their NCAA seeding. Yes, indeed. Ah, the NBA playoffs delivers and delivers and delivers. The stars playing like superstars. The MVP, Joel Embiid, led the Philadelphia 76ers to a 115-103 win in the Boston TD Garden. Embiid with 33 points, seven rebounds, three assists. He got some help. Tyrese Maxey with 30 points, seven rebounds, three assists. James Harden, a double-double, 17 points, 10 assists. Tobias Harris, a double-double, 16 points, 11 rebounds, and Danny House Jr. in 15 minutes had 10 points and five rebounds. They were best performance, and right now you've got to put them as the favorite coming out of the East in the NBA Finals and a real strong, strong edge as a possible NBA champion. They were terrific. Jason Tatum with 36-10, and Jalen Brown with 24, but after that, Al Horford, who's been a Philadelphia 76er killer throughout his career, couldn't throw it in the ocean, had zero points. The bench was relatively quiet. This one was in control by the Sixers after one as they led by seven. They never looked back. Philly, really, really good. You know who else is really good? Nikola Jokic, because he is Virtually unstoppable, an unstoppable, another playoff triple-double. 29 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists. Bruce Brown comes off the bench with 25. Jamal Murray with 19, just too much for the Phoenix Suns, who once again, Devin Booker with 28, Kevin Durant with 26, no other. DeAndre 18, 14 points, but a very quiet 14 Nothing else in double figures for the Suns. Um, and now the Denver Nuggets head to Phoenix with a three games to two lead in that best of seven series. The Sixers can wrap it up at home uh, on Friday as they have a three games to two lead in this one. Two teams trying to survive and keep their seasons alive. Miami is in New York. The Knicks trail the Heat three games to one. 
And the Warriors are back home in San Francisco, trailing the Lakers three games to one. So um, we shall see. I think both home teams respond uh, and respond well and it, and make this thing go go a minimum of six games. So um, we shall see. High school baseball playoffs uh, underway, weather permitted. We'll have St. Thomas Moore coming up uh, on our radio station uh, later on this afternoon. So we wish all those teams the very, very, very best of luck uh, along the way. That dadgum Nick Saban, Alabama football, dipped into the transfer portal for a cornerback from the state of Louisiana for the second season in a row. UL's Trey Amos announced today, um, yesterday that he has committed to play for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Ahead of the 2022 season, Alabama landed LSU cornerback Eli Ricks from the transfer portal. So um, there you go. Meanwhile, the 22nd pick in the 2023 WNBA draft is available once again. This afternoon, former LSU women's basketball star Alexis Morris announced the stunning news that she had been waived by the Connecticut Sun, who used a second-round pick to select her last month. The WNBA preseason began on Friday. The Sun won an exhibition match over New York on Wednesday. Morris played eight minutes in the game, recording two points on free throws and three rebounds by, while going 0 for 2 from the field. It was her first appearance in the preseason for Connecticut. Um, she was awfully good for LSU this past season, but it is what it is. Now Morris is available once again. She'll have to wait to find out where she ends up next. You just never, ever know. Um, we'll take a quick time out. Let me tell you about our guest list today. Coming up around 2.30, Shamit Dua will join us. We'll talk about these NBA players. And one thing has become um, relatively apparent, crystal clear to me. You play in the Western Conference, you can't guard Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic. You can't guard these guys. You better get firepower. I'll discuss with Shamit about the Pels and what they need to do to become a contender. Chris Rose for the glue will join us in hour number two. And then it's hump day with Huguenin, Michael Huguenin, all things college sports here today. So when we return, professional sports is all about the bottom line. Owners want to spend as little as they can and get the best results they can. Well, the New Orleans Saints wash that all away with a gesture today that I think resonates around the league and around the world, and I'm thrilled that they did it. We'll explain it when we return after this time out next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The St. Thomas Moore Cougars are in Sulphur for the Division II Select Semifinals. You can listen to the action live here on the game. Pre-game begins today at 4.45 p.m. First pitch is set for 5 p.m. Of course, this is all depending upon how the games prior to them go. If it goes the normal time, 
Bingo, you're great. Sometimes these things go extra innings. We'll keep you updated. Danny Jones will be on the call. You can hear it right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're having an outstanding uh, day. It turns out that the New Orleans Saints will not be playing in Europe for the second straight season. It was uh, it was rumored all along that uh, that was going to take place. But uh, alas, poor York, it's not happening. And me, for one, kind of thrilled about it. Uh, the Saints were rumored to be in line to play the New England Patriots in Frankfurt this November. Well, the NFL announced this morning the Patriots will play host to the Indianapolis Colts instead. The Saints will instead play the Patriots in Massachusetts this season. Does New England ever come to play in New Orleans? I mean, do they ever? Maybe they do. I don't remember it, though. I don't remember. So anyway, uh, no, no Saints taking place uh, in Europe. So uh, we'll see. Um, remember, it wasn't very long ago how shocked we were when we got the just uh, debilitating news that former New Orleanian, former LSU Tiger, former Las Vegas Raider, Foster Moreau, learned of a Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis after receiving a routine physical from the New Orleans Saints. Devastating. Know the young man. He is, um, man, what a good kid. What a good kid. And I just couldn't believe it. Well, now, not only does Moreau appear to be on the mend, but guess what? He'll be joining the Saints that discovered the issue in the first place. Foster Moreau is signing a three-year deal with the Saints that will pay him $12 million, according to a league source. You know... Despite his late March diagnosis, apparently Moreau should be ready to contribute right away. According to one source, he is expected to practice with the team early next week in OTAs. Wow. He's a New Orleans native. Played at, ugh, I hate to say the word because it's my arch rival. Fly away, Jesuit Blue Jays. And at LSU, he was a team captain at LSU. He was honored with wearing the prestigious number 18 as a senior. That's given to a player who represents high character and leadership on and off the field. And he certainly earned it, and he certainly deserved it. The then Oakland Raiders selected Moreau in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. He caught 91 balls, 1,107 yards, 12 touchdowns in four seasons. Um, he reunites with Raiders quarterback Derek Carr in New Orleans. 
and he helps fortify a Saints tight end room that lacked an experienced inline tight end. Inline means right up next to that tackle and setting the edge, getting the block, releasing, and go out, catch passes. Look, so many, so many times, it's always business, business, business. And it's business here as well. But there's also a heartfelt touch here. Saints showed interest. They wanted the kid from New Orleans to come back home. Foster Moreau fighting a fight that I, I wish no one had to fight. 6'4", 250 pounds, um, fighting that fight and overcoming it at this point in time. I think it's just a great story. God, it makes me feel good about the same. They could have easily turned their back and said, no, nah, we're not taking a chance on it. No, 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 no. But they did. And that's awesome. And now they've got an experienced tight end in the traditional mode. Someone who can help the team both as a blocker and as a pass catcher. And he'll team up with Jawan Johnson. And look, last year, Johnson played 65% of the Saints offensive snaps. And the guy that Foster Moreau will be replacing, Adam Troutman, played in 57% of the offensive snaps. So they thought enough of Morrow to trade Troutman, sending him in a seventh rounder to Denver in order to move up. And with that move up, Saints selected Wake Forest ride receiver A.T. Perry in the sixth round. Um, Wow. That's awesome. I wish him absolutely nothing but the best. Man. And the hope is the Saints have solidified some things offensively and they'll be able to get out of that offensive rut they've been stuck in the last two years. The Saints haven't finished better than 19th in either scoring or total offense since the 2020 season. So... Thank you, New Orleans Saints. God bless you, Foster Moreau. That's just awesome that you're improving, getting well. Good for the Saints to sign him up, taking the chance. They believe because of their medical um, staff and all the tests that have been taken that Foster will be fine and I promise you, Foster Moreau will give the Saints everything he's got. He's got a new lease on life. Can you imagine getting that news? And now, just a couple of months later, he's going to be on the practice field playing? That's that's pretty amazing, right? That's pretty darn amazing. Um, on, a, on another note, we remember switching to college basketball. We had talked to you about Bob Huggins, the West Virginia basketball coach, Hall of Famer, um, used an anti-gay slur in a radio uh, interview earlier this week. I thought Bob Huggins, because of the, the, the temperature in the room, the tenor in our nation, thought Bob Huggins would be fired. I really did. Um, that's not the case. Bob Huggins will return to the sideline next season. 
The university decision being completed today, Huggins has agreed to a million-dollar salary reduction, a three-game suspension, sensitivity training. He's got to make a sizable donation to Xavier University, the uh, university that he was um, referencing when he made the comments that he made. And um, life goes on. Life goes on. There will be many that will take the approach that West Virginia just turned their back and the coach is more powerful than anything else and he should be fired. And there will be those on the other side of the fence that say, look, okay, he he showed tremendous remorse. He made a mistake. Um, everybody deserves another chance. I don't know where you stand on it, but you stand where you stand. I'm just reporting the facts, and Bob Huggins is going to continue to coach at West Virginia University. The $1 million reduction takes what he was making, $4.2 million to $3.2 million. Uh, it's believed to be one of the biggest salary reductions in college athletic history. So Huggins met with President Gordon Gee on Tuesday, and the news came out today. So there you go. Bob Huggins still in the mix at West Virginia. Um, let's take a time out here. Uh, way to go, New Orleans Saints. I love what you did. And you're going to, you, you, Foster Moreau is going to be a heck of a player for New Orleans. You watch. You watch. Um, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll talk NBA playoffs and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm of the belief you can forget about defense. You better get offensive players because I don't care how good you are defensively. You cannot stop some of the stars in the Western Conference. You can put on, you can do whatever you want. However you want, still can't stop them. You can't. So you better keep up with them and you better score. Does Phoenix want to make a trade? DeAndre Ayton might be up for grabs. Might look good in the Pels uniform. Just saying. We'll see. Shamit Dua talking NBA hoops when we return after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. You can't shop right at ShopRite. Hey, I'm just telling you, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. Ah, oh, you can't win until you start playing, so start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. Ah, oh, the, the DC, uh, D.C.'s are great people. Everything under, their, under the roof that you could ever imagine or ever need for all your travel needs. A great staff, and they've got that soul food deli tucked away in the corner. It's the best cheeseburger I've ever had. Go try it for yourself and see what you think about D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. 
and by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. The Billard family's been in business for nine decades. Nine decades. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the NBA playoffs in earnest. We got a couple of um, possible elimination games tonight. These games have been absolutely terrific. Let's talk all things NBA with um, Shamit Dua. You can follow him on Twitter at Fear the Brown, the lead writer at Bourbon Street Shots. He does some work for WDSU television. He is just exploded on the scene because he's really good at what he's doing. And he knows what he's talking about. Shamit, how you been, man? I've been well. I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk some basketball, especially when the playoffs are going on. You know what? I've, I've come to the realization. You tell me if I'm crazy, okay? I'm looking at these teams, particularly in the Western Conference. And you can talk about defense all you want till you're blue in the face. These guys are too good. You cannot stop a Booker, a Durant a Jokic, a Curry. You can't stop them. You got to keep up with them scoring-wise. Pelicans need more offense. Yes? No? Am I nuts? No, I think you're completely right. I mean, I think the the way the game has evolved, um, you know, I do think defensive challenges are, are harder, and, and I think defensive players, you know, um, are trying harder, but it's just so much more difficult to defend these stars in the spaced-out game. And you look at, you know, being able to defend the Suns, like you mentioned, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like, there's no team built to stop two of those guys and then advance the next round and be able to match up with a big like Jokic or defend a small like Steph Curry. And um, like you said, you have to keep up the scoring rate. And with the Pelicans, they have a chance to do that when they're healthy. Uh, however, I, I don't think it hurts to continue to build a team that can – score in multiple ways. We saw the Kings push the Warriors to the brink, and they had multiple contributions from the bench with Malik Monk, um, Trey Lyles, and you know I, I think just having multiple weapons when defense is key in on your main guys uh, is super critical to team building. Let's draft somebody from Kentucky every year. They're going to be they're going to end up being great. How many Kentucky stars are playing in these playoffs? It's ridiculous. Is is that an indictment on John Calipari, or is that it a compliment to John Calipari? I don't know because Kentucky should be winning a lot more um, yeah. with these guys, but clearly, you know, there's something going on there where they hit the NBA scene and uh, they look a lot better. I mean, you look at Tyrese Maxey, um, you know, Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, of course. Uh, yeah, like you said, there's there's a ton of these guys. Devin Booker, the list goes on. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're absolutely everywhere. So. To me, and, and look, I like Jonas Valanciunas. I, I do. But, man, I, I just I don't see him being the the anchor of a championship, uh, you know, the, the, the defender, the whatever you want to call him, of a championship contender. I just don't see it. Well, especially if you're not going to utilize him offensively in, in the way that he's capable of. You know, he's, he's certainly someone that can force mismatches, force double teams. He's a very efficient and competent scorer. But if you're going to relegate him to basically being a matchup player and a 20-23 minute per game type of guy, then, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're just not, it's not 
worth having that skill set around. Seems like DeAndre Ayton has worn his welcome out in Phoenix. Would would he look good in the Pelicans uniform? You know, I, I think from a purely basketball standpoint, he would. He he has tremendous uh, touch around the rim and from the mid-range yeah. area. His vertical lob threat um, opens up the floor for Phoenix's shooter uh, in a way that, you know, a, a ground-bound guy like Jonas Valanciunas can't really do. Um, he doesn't need a lot of touches to be effective. I think just the stuff he provides you, being able to play him in crunch time, you know, you're not worrying about him getting run off the floor uh, defensively. He fits. The the price to acquire him plus the max contract that he's on make it a little bit difficult to get him onto the roster without compromising your current core in a certain way. And um, Ultimately, you know, if I'm the Pelicans, I explore some of the cheaper options first. I, I take a look at Cleveland, see what the future there is with Jared Allen. They certainly had an unceremonious loss in the first round, uh, partly due to the lack of spacing from their two bigs. You know, I look at Miles Turner, who that's a name that's been floating around forever, linked to the Pelicans. Um, but, you know, if, if Aiton's there for the right cost, I, I'm not turning my nose up at that talent. Shamit Dua kind of does join us. I mean, David Griffin said, I like our roster. Yeah, okay. When healthy, yeah. But I think if they stand pat, um, we're we're looking at another disappointment. I think they've got to do something. You can't get enough shooters. And Trey Murphy certainly became that shooter. Herb Jones, the last week, can you depend on that? A week at game in, game out, that he's going to make buckets like that? I don't think so. Um, you know, their first round pick a year ago, how, how big of an offensive threat is he? So you're getting on the floor with guys that can't really, you can't depend upon night in and night out. And that's a liability, particularly in the Western conference. Especially, especially when you get to the playoffs, you're only as good as yeah. your weakest link. And if you got multiple guys on the court that just simply can't score, you're just going to have a tough time. And you're seeing golden state, uh, go through some of these adjustments in real time. You know, they've benched Kevon Looney. They've benched Draymond at times. They've, they've shifted around their roster to, to figure out what the right combination of offense is. Um, because when they play Draymond and Kevon Looney together, it's, it's, you know, teams are packing the paint and Anthony Davis can just camp out there and put a lid on the rim. And, uh, you know, you've seen other teams, uh, fail to make those adjustments. So, uh, it's, it's, a constant battle between having the right amount of defense on the floor versus the right amount of offense. And man, I really think with the Pelicans and, and it goes against everything. I think Willie Green believes in, but they should lean towards the offense more than the defense. I'm with you. Unless you play, unless they played in the Eastern conference and they would be great in a game with the heat and the Knicks where first team to a hundred is going to win and probably win convincingly uh, game five tonight back at Madison square garden. Uh, give me your views on this one. You know, uh, I I think the Heat close it out. Um, just think they're the better team, and I, I haven't yeah. been a big believer in the Knicks uh, this year. I think their main guys. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson's really good, but I'm not a entirely confident um, guy in, in Julius Randle, especially in the playoffs. I don't think he's a very efficient player at this stage just because of his style of play and 
I, I think the Heat are more mentally ready for this. It's behind Jimmy Butler. They have a whole roster that's playing well right now. Spolster's playing pretty deep, and I definitely trust Eric Spolster to make the right adjustments and hit the right buttons to close this out. But if it's not tonight, it's, it's, it's you know it'll be it'll be the next game. I don't I don't see this series going to Game Seven. I, I do think that he take it in five or six. Look, I'm a left-hander, but I don't think I've ever seen a team, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, three starters or lefties. I don't think there's ever been a team that I can recall that uh, had the left-handers dominate uh, on the roster. Can you? No, I mean, I can only think of, like, the you know, like the main guys, like, uh, there's teams that have had Lesky superstars, obviously James Harden being one of them, Manu Ginobili. Um, right. but you're right. The three, three high level guys, I think that certainly poses a challenge for the defense. Cause I, I really think at a certain level, you get conditioned to defending right-handed players and you have no to question. spend a millisecond yeah. to think about how to defend the left-handed player. And that, that can be an advantage. Are you surprised at the Lakers three, one advantage over golden state? And, and, and if so on the wars, who's to blame here? I, I've got thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. I am a little surprised. Um, I do think there is a little bit of just general game-to-game variance uh, here that um, can influence the outcome of games. You know, if the Warriors hit, uh, the Warriors shoot a better percentage from three, they're looking different, uh, you know, last game. And um, I, I'm not ruling the Warriors out. I do think they have what's in them to to really win this, especially, again, all it uh-huh. takes is getting hot from three. Um, but yeah, I, I will say I am surprised with the collectiveness the Lakers have played, but they've turned in good performances from a lot of people on their roster outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I know AD has been the story for his defense, um, and certainly that's been important, but you know, it's con- contributions from guys like Lonnie Walker going crazy in the fourth quarter. And, you know, yeah. D'Angelo Russell has had yeah. its moments. Austin Reeves has had its moments. Um, so, you know, it's it's the kind of depth of contributions that have been surprising to me. I'm with you. Um, and the Lakers need to go send a Christmas present to, uh, to Minnesota, the Timberwolves, for uh, the trade that they made, which made the Lakers better, which made them get further than the T-Wolves did. So thanks a lot, Minnesota. Really appreciate that. That GM, shoot, he, he needs to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a, that is not going to be a trade, the Rudy Gobert trade. That is not going to be one that is looked upon favorably in the, in the light of history. And um, I certainly think that, their decision to move away from D'Angelo Russell was, I, I understand why they did it. I think they wanted more experience and maturity in the locker room, but, you know, it just, they inevitably played a role in their own demise by making, you know, enabling him to end up on the Lakers who ended up with a better record and better seating and therefore, you know, potentially an easier pathway forward. And it's just one of those things like, all right, you, you guys maybe could have played this out better. But I, I also don't think we can absolve Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz of their role in this. And Danny Ainge as a, a Celtic lifer should should know better. Uh, Golden State, just put the ball in Steph Curry's hands. Please, whoever Anthony Davis is guarding, let him come screen Steph Curry. And I know Steve Kerr doesn't like to do the old – pick and roll, pick and pop, and all that stuff. He likes that open court and free. But they can't stop Steph, and it gives them layup after layup after layup. 
or he gets a three attempt. And I want Steph Curry to shoot. I want him to hunt shots early. Um, don't go away from that. You only scored. You were doing great. You went away from it. They score 17 points in the fourth quarter. So I'm I'm pointing a little finger at at uh, Steve Kerr. I'm pointing some fingers. Clay Thompson has to shoot it better. Draymond Green has to act better. Uh, they it's all hands on deck. I expect Golden State to win tonight and win kind of convincingly. But the Lakers, I think, are probably going to set their sights on. Hey, we we're gonna. We, we'll give it a go. We'll try our best. But if it gets out of hand, we're going to rest our guys because we're going back home to try and clinch in game six. Yeah, I, I think this, this game has potential to be one of the more exciting games we have seen in the playoffs this year. Just a lot at stake, obviously, with LeBron and maybe yeah. trying to close this out. And Steph and Draymond and, and Clay Thompson trying to continue their dynasty. Um what what I'm curious to see is if they're going to get anything out of Jordan Poole. They got virtually nothing from him the previous game, and he's just had a bad series uh, in general. And that could be someone I think can turn this game um, around if he if he gets going a little bit. But you know, if he's going to be a turnover machine and um, miss his shots, you know, he's a liability on defense. Then yeah, it, it can get out of hand pretty quickly, and it could be one of those nights where he only gets ten minutes again and um, barely yeah. sees the court. He probably wants to be traded after that if the season ends. So so we'll see what happens. Um, man, after watching Philadelphia, wow. Joel Embiid has never had a team surrounding him like this where everybody's one healthy. Number two, everybody kind of understands their role and is playing it at the highest of levels. I, I think the 76ers closed this out against a uh, Boston Celtic team who looks who looks lost, who who may have to go and get a new coach after this one. But, man, I don't know who beats Philly. They look really, really good. What do you think? Yeah, so I think with Philly, if I'm the Celtics, the thing I, you know, rest my laurels on is James Harden had to hit two ridiculous shots for them to win those games, right? Yeah. Um, and, and shout out to James Harden, who had an excellent game one and game four, and he's just um, – risen up to the occasion in a way that perhaps he hasn't done so in the past, but this is not uh, a position the Celtics should be in or even, you know, or should be happy to be in given that they were the presumable um, title favorites at, at this point. Um, so it's just, it's, it's tough. I, I think this thing probably goes to seven, but to win back to back games um, with two remaining is a tough task of any team. And, I don't know if I agree that they will try to find a new coach. Uh, I do think they had a successful season, and I'm not sure it's okay. good uh, decision-making from the executive group. And Brad Stevens doesn't certainly seem like a rash person to where he's going to look for a third coach in three years, you know, okay. um, or technically okay. be a fourth coach in four years because Brad, M.A., um, Joe, and whoever be next, I, that doesn't seem right. like uh, that's a okay. desirable place to be. But the one thing – you got to keep an eye on is is Jalen Brown's uh, free agency and and yeah. what the results of the All NBA um, voting is going to look like. If he's All NBA, he, he's super max eligible. Are, are the Celtics going to offer him the super max? That's a question. And if they don't, is he gone? Where does he go to? What does that look like? And yeah. you know, maybe it's not a new coach. They need it's another star. <laughs> That's right. We'll close it out with another Pelicans comment. Um, how come we think Herb Jones is such a great defensive player and the league just won't put him on the all-defensive team? What's up with that? 
I, I believe, and, and I will hold this belief till the very end of my life, <laughs> it's, it has to do with how small the Pelicans market is and, and how they underperformed relative to expectations. Had they overperformed relative to expectations and made the playoffs, had they, you know, carried that one seed, you know, if, if they had finished in the top three the way they were in December, um, and if yeah. they had finished one, this team would be littered with awards, you know, executive of the year, coach of the year, perhaps. You know, I'm not going to say MVP for Zion, but he would have been up there in, in the races. Yeah. Uh, but he certainly would have been, in my opinion, first or second team um, All-NBA. Herb Jones would have been um, All-Defense. So I think it, it, it is greatly correlated with team success in this market in a way that perhaps if Herb was in you know, Los yeah. Angeles or, or New York, it would be less correlated with team success. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that is what it is. Uh, more than fair. Is it true? Rumor has it that Shamit Du has been out um, uh, on the paths around uh, Audubon Park jogging with uh, Zion Williamson to make sure he gets uh, his weight down because <laughs> that's that is the key to the entire franchise. Is that true, Shamit? I, I wish I wish Zion would invite me on runs. I think that would uh, be beneficial for both of us, and I wish I had that, I had that kind of relationship with him. Um, but sadly, that is not true. <laughs> oh shucks! Well, I was hoping to get a scoop on that one, but uh, anyway. So, who's going to get to the NBA Finals? I will pick Philadelphia and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, it'll be a battle of the big men, battle of the MVPs or yeah. the MVP snub and the and the and the MVP. Um, yeah. Just uh, it'll they be nice, fit. in my opinion, to see a change yeah. from the previous guard dominated play to you know two titans, two two enormous players, um, you know, battling in the Ooh. post and, and showing off their skill. Who are really really good? I'm with you. That's my pick as well. We'll see what happens. Shamit, always fun talking hoops with you, man. Continued success to you, and thank you uh, for sharing some time with us. Appreciate it, and likewise. You got it, buddy. Shamit Dua um, at Fear the Brown. Bourbon Street Shotzi is the best. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll wrap up hour number one. We've got a busy hour number two, so stick around. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free mobile app today for your from your Apple or Android the Android device. Wow. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, wrapping up our number one, Major League Baseball. Um, early leaders, the, the Rays in the AL East, 29 and 8, have a five and a half game lead over the over the Orioles in the Central. The Twins with a two-game lead over the Tigers. In the West, the Rangers are 21-14, and 14, 
Astros got to 500 with a win last night. They're 18 and 18, three and a half games back in the AL West over there in the National League. The Braves, boy, they're good. 25 and 11. They've already got a seven and a half game lead over the Marlins. It's dead even between the Brewers and the Pirates in the NL Central. Uh, my dead, my Redbird, St. Louis, 13 and 24. Ouch. Seven and a half games back in the Dodgers. With a game and a half lead over the Diamondbacks, two and a half over the Padres in the highly contested, always contested NL West. So, um, you know, these teams have played nearly nearly 40 games now. So um, you can tell uh, who is and who isn't. And uh, we'll go from there. Coming up, hour number two, we'll talk more about the New Orleans Saints with Chris Roseverglue. What a great story. Foster Moreau signs a deal to be a tight end for the Saints, and that is uh, that is awesome. Mike Huguenin will join us as well for another edition of Hump Day with Huguenin. So it's all coming your way, our number two of the program on this uh, Wednesday, middle of the week, May the 10th. Don't forget, we've got St. Thomas More Baseball coming up today. Uh, tentatively scheduled 445 uh, pregame and then first pitch coming after that. So good luck to all the high school teams. There are 40 of them still in the fray. Uh, Sulphur, Louisiana, you want to see high school baseball, that's the place to be. Barb from the state of Louisiana, ranked number three in the country. Catholic High from Baton Rouge, ranked number five in the country in high school baseball. So again, per capita, Louisiana has great, great baseball from the high school level to the college level. Great stuff. All right. We'll take our uh, um, break here. Top of the hour sports day update coming your way, followed by hour number two of the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two. And away we go on this Wednesday, hump day, May the 10th, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great one. We certainly appreciate you joining us in whatever whatever form or fashion that you do. Um, so thank you. We got a busy, busy second hour, so we'll get right with it. But I couldn't do it without my producer, James Mesh, who's in the um, master control suite of the Evco Development Studios, Evco Development a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. You can call Alexa, get, get the station on there. You can do whatever you want. And if you're in the Acadiana area, uh, you can turn your television set on as well as we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber and if you do turn your television set on you'll see our next guest who joins us via the uh whoever invented zoom is just a just a darn genius 
but he's here to tell us all about the New Orleans Saints, the NFL, and everything. One of my favorite guests because he is spot on and is just terrific at it. My good friend, Mr. Chris Rosevaglu. Chris, good afternoon. Thank you yet again for some more time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. It's always a good day when I get a text to come on the show. There you go. Well, and it's always a great day when when I get the yes from Chris Rosevaglu. I think the Saints, uh, you know, this is a business, and it's all about the bottom line. It's about wins. It's about money and all. But the Saints just did such a good thing today. This Foster Moreau story is just tremendous. I think the Saints earned even more respect. I think they've garnered more fans. I think it's going to be the feel-good story heading into the season. I love it. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely an aspect of it. I mean, the, the story itself, if he doesn't take that physical with the Saints, does he find out his cancer wow. diagnosis? that quickly and and if he doesn't find it that quickly are they able to react in a manner where things have gone so well with his treatment that they're talking about him playing this fall yeah. which is just you know incredible and and obviously the main focus will always be the health aspect of it it's bigger than football but I think when you see the contract numbers when you see the Saints were kind of um you know silently kind of putting on a full court press to get Foster Moreau. I think they love the player. They think he's going to be a great fit in their system. I think this gives you an upgrade. You know, you lost Adam Troutman. I think Foster Moreau is a much better tight end, especially in terms of what he's done as a pass catcher so far. So you upgrade in that regard. There's familiarity with Derek Carr, caught a lot of passes yeah. from in Vegas. And, exactly. you know, the cherry on top is that he is an LSU kid, and he does know yeah. – the, the the state and he's going to play for his hometown and I think that just adds to it uh, on top of the fact that like you mentioned it is probably the most uh kind of went from heartbreaking to heartwarming story of the offseason yeah. we hope it just progresses to you know week one rolls around Foster Moreau goes on the field and you just kind of get that uplifting feeling you said it perfectly I, I I can't I can't expand on that any further before they knew the diagnosis they liked the player how much of it was the familiarity with Derek Carr or was it the, the, the skill? They knew they had a Jawan Johnson who's more of a receiving tight end and Foster Moreau can get down on the line of scrimmage and, and help you set that edge. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the, the familiarity definitely helps, but I think for the Saints that might have been maybe one of the, the secondary reasons for why they made okay. this move. What I think they love about this move is you mentioned Jawan Johnson. You obviously know what you get with him as a pass catcher because he is a wide receiver transition to tight end. But I think what the Saints have been missing the last couple of years, especially last season, as good as Jawan Johnson was, if another tight end was in, and it doesn't have to even just be last year, the last two years, whether it was Adam Troutman last season or two years ago with Nick Van Nett, you kind of felt like the Saints were tipping their hand. Was it? A, were they going to be there primarily to block? Yeah. Uh, you know, and – I think what they love about Foster Moreau is they can go into these two tight end sets now where you don't feel like you're necessarily tipping your hand because Foster Moreau gives you that versatility. So if he's out there, there's no guarantee that's you saying we're going to run the football because this is a guy who did have 400 plus receiving yards and two touchdowns last season. But at the same time, if you need him to chip in there in that regard, I think he can do that and he could take some of the pressure off Jawan Johnson. So Jawan Johnson can continue to kind of ascend as that pass catcher as he continues to do. So um, I think that's what the Saints like about it. Getting Foster Moreau in the building gives them a lot more comfortability with their tight ends. And I think that's something that this offense has been missing for a while now. And 
when you look back at the Saints, when they're usually at their best, they have a tight end at the core of that offense that makes big plays. And it might not be one in particular that has an 1,000-yard season a la Jimmy Graham, but it would not shock me if Foss Moreau and Jawan Johnson together finish the year with 1,000-plus receiving yards. And I think that's the key for New Orleans. And he also fits their mold. He is a great locker room guy. He is a high-character, high-quality human being, and that only adds to it. Yeah, absolutely. And just today, you know, when they when they announced the signing and show a picture of him signing his contract, he's wearing a Steve Gleason shirt and Zion Williamson themed sneakers. So, like, this is the type of guy that if you couldn't check off enough boxes with him because every single one's there and you start listing new reasons for why you love the move. So uh, I just think this is yet another signing that makes you excited about this season. It really does. It's the it's the you said it best from heartbreaking to heartwarming in the blink of an eye. Um, which is tremendous. I'm sorry you have to unpack your suitcase because you're not going to Frankfurt, Germany. I thought that was in the deal, but the Saints aren't going to Europe for the second season. And I, as a Saints fan, I'm kind of glad. I don't want them traveling all the way over there and coming back. It never does anybody any good. Yeah, look, I can understand why, uh, you know, our international folks are upset about it. That's okay for them. But I thought for Saints fans, I mean, we all saw last year they made the trip across the pond and then they lost in heartbreaking fashion with the double doink to the Vikings. I'm like, well, that's yes. so good. And now they have to travel all the way back after that excruciating loss. So uh, I think for the team, it definitely benefits them not having to put that extra travel in. Uh, you know, they've been to New England recently, just two seasons ago. They went there and they won in Foxborough. So that's where they'll end up going when they play the Patriots because that was the rumored opponent. But uh, yeah, I don't see it as a problem. I actually see it as a benefit in terms of not having to travel as much. But uh, we'll see. I, I can understand fans who love those experiences, them getting upset. Uh, for me personally, I'm not really losing much sleep over it. No. <laughs> Send me to the beach after the season and I'll be thrilled. Chris Rose will glue with us. I saw this stat. It looks like the Saints are going to play 13 of their 17 games indoors this season. Uh, two of the four outdoor venues, familiar, Carolina, Tampa. The other two are Green Bay and New England. 13 of 17, no place like home in the Dome. The Saints ought to be familiar with it. That's another positive. I'm looking, I'm grasping at straws here, Chris. I, I really don't think it's grasping at straws, though, because I think if we look at, you know, Derek Carr last season, the worst two starts, one was against New Orleans. Obviously, that wasn't ideal. But there was also that game against Pittsburgh. I believe it was Christmas Eve, and they couldn't move the ball at all. He just looked kind of cold. And that was kind of yeah. the knock on him being linked to the Jets was, is he a cold quarter, uh, cold weather quarterback? This is a guy from Fresno State. Does he make that switch? Well, we're really not going to have to worry about it all that much, especially if some of these games get scheduled earlier in the year. If you get to play, you know, uh, you know, the Packers or or the Patriots early in the season, that out, outdoor game doesn't feel as brutal as it does if it is in December or maybe late November. So uh, I love the way the schedule's kind of played out for them in, in terms of on paper and in terms of just the strength of it. Towards the bottom five of the league, I believe they're second in the easiest schedules for now. That always can change because teams will surprise you. Right, but I think right. that the one thing the Saints have going, and that won't change, is that if you look at their schedule, they're not facing a lot of experienced quarterbacks. And you'd yes. like to think that could be advantage Dennis Allen's defense. They'll be up to them to make it that thing. But if you look around, uh, I see a lot of quarterbacks where not a lot of experience. And then the veterans, there's some question marks. Matt Stafford, is he going to be healthy? Kirk Cousins, what happens with the Vikings? Do they take a little bit of a step back after they won so many one-score games last yeah. year? The team's yeah. hard to replicate that. So uh, it'll be interesting, but a, a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks, a lot of indoor games like you mentioned, and I think that definitely on paper should be a huge advantages for New Orleans. 
And then you get the outlier, like when Washington came into the Superdome and Robert Griffin III played his first game and he played his greatest game of his life and beat the Saints. I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. I, I, to this day, that's one of those that hurt. It kind of set the tone for that 2012 season, though. So it really did. It, it is what it is. God, it really, really did. Um, you look at the Saints and you look at their draft picks, okay? And I asked this from someone yesterday. I'll ask you again today. Who do you hope of their six draft picks, who do you hope has the biggest impact? And then conversely, who do you believe is going to have the biggest impact? So if I'm going to go off hope, I'm actually going to go off Brian Brzee just because I, I love when you have an interior defensive lineman that just sets the tone. I just think of it, you know, this past season, a lot of people look at the Giants and they look at what Brian Dayball brought to them and they talk about Daniel Jones having a resurgent season. But a lot of people forget the fact that Dexter Lawrence was one of the five best defensive linemen in football last year. And a lot of that pressure he brought from the interior just really helped their offense, uh, their defense in a lot of spots. And I'd love to see Brian Brzee, maybe not, replicate that that's a lot to ask for but when you have an interior defensive lineman that can just take over the game and force that pressure and make a quarterback move around and, and get closer to that edge where a cam jordan could be or an isaiah foskey can be i think that makes a you know a world's difference for them but as for the guy that i think will make the difference and honestly you can put him as one b in terms of i want to see it happen as well would be isaiah foskey because i think yeah. if the Saints defensive line gets going and they have an edge rusher out there that's getting after uh, the opposing quarterback. They'll take them to the next level. And I kind of think I about know. this schedule and them having to go up against not the most experienced quarterbacks, but a couple of mobile ones. You think about Bryce Young twice a year. You think about Desmond Ritter. You think about Daniel Jones and Justin Fields. You got to get that defensive line to be able to get after the quarterback yeah. and not just let them expose you with your legs. So I think Foskey's going to have to play a key role early. I think he's going to have a pretty solid rookie season. But I think it's kind of 1A, 1B as to who I'd like yeah. to see it. But it would definitely be one of those defensive picks because yeah. I think that would really – if I'm going to feel confident about the Saints being a contender, it's because they need to have a top-10 defensive unit and they have to have an offense playing complementary football. But it all starts with DA's unit. I agree with you. I'm hoping that it's the edge rusher that has the biggest impact. I think Breesy, or where Brees, whatever you say his name, is going to. But if they both play very, very well – uh, that's awesome. Do the Saints have three impactful rookies that will make help make a difference in your opinion? I think they do. And I think for them, uh, you know, it's kind of cliche to go with the first three picks, but I really do think the first three picks that they got this year not only are going to make a difference, they have to because you bring in, you know, Brian Brzezita to, to give you that versatile defensive line in the interior. We talk about Foskey, that defensive line on the edge there's not a whole lot of star power. I think the Saints right. have added some now, but you're banking on Peyton Turner to get better. You're hoping that Carl Granderson can get better. And there's a lot of hopes and ifs, and that doesn't necessarily you know, equal actual production. So the chances are there for Foskey. And then for Miller, even if Alvin, let's say, doesn't get suspended, and I think that would be the best part of this offseason is if the Saints find out that number 41 can play all 17 right. games. Right. I think they're going to need him early and often because I think the Saints are going to learn, and I think they have learned a little bit. I never thought Alvin's at his best when he gets 25 carries and you're kind of working him like that just that bell cow. I don't think that's his best version. I think the best version of you. Alvin is 15 to 18 touches, but during those touches, he's so fresh that you see those plays where he's making defenders miss. So I think Kendra Miller can give you, whether it's in the screen game, whether it's in a third and short, whether it's just running in between the tackles, I think he could give their offense a little bit of a lift. So I'm looking at those three picks. And then we also talked about Nick Saldaveri, and he's the type of guy who 
if there's an injury or if the Saints are just running with such intent and will that they want to get in those jumbo formations, I could see him slipping in there too for making an impact. But I'll go with the first three picks. I, I really yeah. do think on paper the Saints did a good job of getting guys that can make an immediate impact. Well, I'm sorry you won't be going to Germany. Uh, I wasn't going anyway. And uh, the feel-good story of the NFL so far is this Foster Moreau to the Saints. That's off. That's awesome. Awesome. Chris, you're awesome. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for always Thank saying you. yes. I mean, you're the best. You're the best. Thank it's, you. It, it will always be a yes as, as as long as I can, Jordy. I absolutely appreciate it. Count on it. Thank you, my friend. Chris Roseverglue, kind enough yet again, the best in the business. We'll take a time out here when we come back. Uh, hump day with my main man, Mike Huguenin, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Golly, there's nothing worse than a boring man cave. Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse of 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, Michael. We were off last week, but uh, we're back and we're much better now that you're here with us. How how are things in the big O-Town? It's hot, man. It's brutally hot. That's all I can say right now. But um, the uh, basketball portal uh, closed today. Uh, the football portal closed a couple weeks ago. Obviously, there's still players in there um, and a handful of guys who can help teams right away. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's now I think more the focused, more the focus for coaches is not worrying about the portal, but worrying about the actual season and high school recruiting. You live in Orlando. Orlando's going to be the um, the spot to be for the opening of the college football season when Florida State and LSU match up. I think it's going to be the best game of, of, of the early season. I think it's two teams that are going to be ranked very, very high. Two teams that both return their their star quarterback. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great game, man. That's a great way to start the season. Yeah, I think it's the best non-conference game of of the of the season, I think both will be preseason top ten. I saw. I think Florida State's going to be, if not the unanimous favorite to win the ACC at media days. Uh, I think they're going to get about eighty percent of the vote. Um, Georgia obviously going to be the preseason favorite in the SEC, but uh, I think LSU should be the preseason favorite to win the SEC West. So, yeah. when, when you have two top ten teams with quarterbacks who are returning starters on teams expected to be quite good. That, that is a really nice uh, opening weekend game, no question. 
we've been doing this for a while. I remember vividly talking to you about, you know, man, what's happened to football in the state of Florida. And one of those was Florida state. And we were like, is Matt Norvell going to make it? What, what happened? How did he turn this thing around? Well, I think part of it is the ACC is, is not very good. Um, okay. I, I think that's, unquestionably a big part of how good they've become. And frankly, that was also one of the reasons that he deserved a lot of criticism. Dude, you have a losing record in a bad league. Last year, though, obviously things turned around. Jordan Travis became a competent passer. He still has room to grow. Um, but I think the biggest, the biggest thing for Norvell, he has hit big in the transfer portal. Uh, Trey Benson, last season's leading rusher in Oregon transfer. The receiving core filled with transfers. The offensive line remade with transfers. Uh, the best pass rusher, a transfer. The best player in the secondary last year, a transfer. Um, he, he did a phenomenal job in the portal again this offseason, bringing in probably two of the top ten tight ends in the portal, one of the best offensive tackles in the portal, one of the best defensive linemen in the portal, and one of the best corners in the portal. He also got a starting defensive tackle who transferred from Miami. So Norvell, his recruiting classes high school-wise have been not that good. But he has done a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. I think I said it on your show before. You know, Lane Kiffin sort of is, oh, he's the transfer portal king. Well, no, to me, it's it's Mike Norvell. And we talk about the portal and all. And and finally, we we had someone come out and and say exactly why they were transferring, and that's on the basketball side of things. Former Michigan basketball All American Hunter Dickinson explained his decision to leave Ann Arbor and to go to Kansas because he wasn't making enough money at Michigan and he'll make more money at Kansas. Let's call it what it is. That's the facts. That's just the way it is now. Yeah, I think for for players like him, I mean, he is a high-caliber player, um, and and Michigan was a gigantic disappointment this past season. Uh, I think, yes, money unquestionably drove his decision, but I also think he looks – at the Kansas point guard and realizes I'm going to get fed in the low post on a consistent basis. I like what Kansas has done with its big men uh, under Bill Stelf. I'm going to play for a better team and a better league Uh, and on top of getting more money. Um, So all the more power to Hunter Dickinson. You know, seven-footers aren't a big deal in the NBA they were 20 years ago. So, you know, I think 20 years ago he would have left college after his freshman season. Well, here he is going into his junior season. Still not a much, you know, I think he can be a productive NFL, NBA guy, rather. He ain't going to be an NBA star because that's not the way the NBA's played anymore. So if you're a big guy like Hunter Dickinson, like Oster Shibwe, like Armando Bacat, like Colin Castleton in Florida last year, you, you look at what you can make in pro ball and realize I can make just as much money, if not more, with NIL. So why not stay in yeah. college, enjoy another year? And in Dickinson's case, we'll be playing for a better team, uh, and I think he's going to have better numbers. Of course, if, if the two teams I think are going to make it to the NBA Finals make it, it'll be a, a change of pace. It won't be a guard-oriented Finals. It'll be Joel Embiid, the former Kansas Jayhawk with Philadelphia, and Nikola Jokic. 
That's the true. guy that does everything for Denver. So, but yeah, they but they play yeah, outside. Right, they I mean, play inside. These aren't nineteen ninety big men. I mean, right, Embiid right. is extremely athletic, and, so and Jokic good. is a six three guy who happens to be seven foot. Um, I mean, yes, the, right. the dude's a phenomenal big man passer. Um, he can hit the, the mid-range shot. He can hit the occasional three. But, the, yeah, the offense runs through Jokic, and that's, you know, what the, he's a sinner. What the heck's going on here? Yeah. And Embiid, um, it, it is interesting to, to watch Embiid play. You know, all his injuries, he, he is a difference maker. A couple of years ago, obviously, the Bucks won with Giannis, and Giannis is a big man as well. But, you know, Hunter Dickinson is not an uber-athletic big guy. Uh, Shibwe is not an uber athletic big guy. Um, Momondo Bacat is not an uber athletic big guy like Embiid is. So um, it, it is interesting to see potentially what the NBA Finals. This this would be a matchup of teams that rely on their centers, but their yeah. centers are not normal seven foot guys. Right, right. And it's look, it's we're old enough to know. I played against Magic Johnson. I, we've never seen anything like that. A six no, nine exactly. point guard, you know, and now you got seven footers bringing the ball up the court and handle it like uh, magnificently. So, um, so who knows what's next? Who knows what's next on that one? Um, sticking with basketball, we had the passing, got a couple of figures we need to talk about. Um, Denny Crum passed away. Uh, I played against Denny Crum in the, my last college basketball game at the summit in Houston, there are three teams that made it to the final four. We were the last game of the day. Um, Denny had, had uh, Daryl Griffith and those guys, and they beat us. They went on to win the national championship. They, a couple of years later, six years later, never nervous Purvis Ellison beat LSU in the final four. They went on to win a national championship. In the hierarchy of college basketball, where does Denny Crum fit? Well, I think he's unquestionably a top 20 coach. Um, and then maybe that's downgrading him a little bit, but I mean, there's been a lot of great college basketball coaches. Yeah. The, the thing with the thing that I most remember, you know, he was John Wooden's main lieutenant, that's uh, right. a, a UCLA alum who had chances to go to UCLA, but chose instead to sort of make his own name at Louisville. And mm-hmm. he, you know, he turned Louisville into a basketball school. Um, they've had pockets of success without him. Right now, I'm not sure Louisville's ever been yeah. this bad. Good Lord, they won four yeah. games last year and were just a horrendous team. But um, I think Crum, his teams were fun to watch. Um, they got up and down the court. They played better defense than they were given credit for. But right. um, he, he let his players run. And the, the one I remember was the 1982 semifinal with Houston, five same Jamma against the Doctors of Dunk, and that was right. a dunk fest. Um, following the, that game, followed the NC State Georgia game, and you watch NC State and Georgia go, and you're like, that's a pretty good game. Then you watch the Louisville Houston game, you're like, my God, this is a different sport. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, yeah. NC State pulls, I still think, the, 83 rather, the biggest upset in, in college basketball history to me. But right. Louisville teams were fun to watch under Crum. He got athletes and let them be athletic. Right. And that yeah. sounds simple, but it's not. And his teams were, I always thought, played relatively smart. Um, he made good use of big men when he had them. But his teams liked to run, man, and they were fun to watch. 
He always had that two-two-one zone press, um, and I, I knew we were in trouble in the second half. Early in the second half, when Daryl Griffith took off from the free throw line and kind of rocked it to the right, then rocked it to the left, and then came around and dunked it all in one in one fell swoop. I went, "Oh boy." Um, yeah, we're in trouble. And sure enough, we were, and they went on and won the thing. So let's take a quick time out here. I got to get your thoughts on what's going on at West Virginia with Huggy Bear. After this time out, more of Hump Day with Huguenin next. Well, we continue at 13, six minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, May the 10th. Uh, Michael Huguenin has been with us for years and years, and I'm so thankful for his contribution. He's so good at it. And he, he, he told me from from day one, I can remember, you know, at this time of the year, if you're a football coach or a basketball coach or a football program, basketball program, and you're in the news, nine times out of 10, it's bad news. And it's been a rough week for Bob Huggins, the longtime coach um, now at West Virginia. He's 69 years old. And um, he, he, you know, he came out and had that, um, that run in where he, used an anti-gay slur in a radio interview earlier this week. Mike, I, I really thought in today's climate that West Virginia would have no other recourse but then to say, Bob Huggins, thank you, but you're fired. Yeah, That's I, not I, the I'm case. surprised they didn't fire him. Not only did he use the anti-gay slur, he sort of denigrated Catholics as well. I mean, it was, yes. I, you know, I, my, he's been on that show in Cincinnati for a long time. Um, and it's two guys who like to evidently like to banter and all that kind of stuff. But you're on live radio. I don't know why you would use that word. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think some people, who cares what he said? Well, you know, if you put other slurs in there instead, I think he would have been fired. Um, again, and he denigrated Catholics. Um, I, I find it sort of mind-boggling that a guy who's been a head coach for 40 years would think it was okay to use that term. Um, You know, I'm not naive enough to think that people don't use that term in private. Whatever, that's fine. That's bothersome to me, but on a different level. But you said it on live radio. Um, I I, I just don't understand that. Again, it, it, I, I think if he had used other slurs, he, he potentially could have been fired, should have been fired. I think he should have been fired anyway. And, you know, maybe I think everybody knows who um, West Virginia's president is, Gordon Gee. He's the guy who famously said when he was the Ohio State president that, you know, the football, per, the football coach has more power than me, and he laughed. Well, you know, yeah. no, no offense, Gordon, but yeah, I, I'm surprised that dude is a, still a college president. Um, right. But, yeah, Huggins, I I think that this uh, – I, I am surprised he did not get fired. I'm with you. Um, but the band marches on. Were you surprised when Georgia said, hey, um, thanks, White House, but we can't make it to um, celebrate our national championship with you? I guess it's what – I think they're saying they have something planned that weekend recruiting-wise – Whatever. Um, I, you wonder if any of the players, hey, we had a chance to go to the White House and now we're not going. But I, I'll, I'll be honest also, I'll, I've always thought that the whole thing about going to, to Washington, D.C. was a little bit ludicrous anyway, pro or college. Um, 
whatever. So, um, yeah, I think this has become, oh, my goodness, Georgia turned in a chance to go to the White House. And, you know, there's uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. But then again, given the ferocity with which Kirby Smart recruits and the idea that that was a big recruiting weekend, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> That is amazing. Uh, you're right. Uh, absolutely amazing. They declined it. LSU women's basketball team is going. Um, the, UConn's basketball, men's basketball team is going. So and speaking of LSU women, I mean, that Kim Mulkey's something, isn't she? She wins a national championship. She gets the top two players the out portal. of the portal. Yeah. She's got the number one ranked recruiting class. I mean, golly sakes alive, what's stopping her? Not, yeah, that exactly. And the, the woman from Louisville can play. She's quite, quite good. Um, yeah. Van Liss, I think her name is. I Van can't Lith, remember. Right, Haley, something, right. Haley Von Van. I can't remember her last name. But she is, she is an exceedingly talented player. Um, if, if you're recruiting well and hitting it big in the portal, coming off a national title season, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, – I got to think that even the most ardent LSU women's basketball fan, when they hired Kim Mulkey, they were thinking, okay, we're, we're going to be good again. And then here they are, two years into Mulkey's tenure with a national title. And really, I think they're going to be the preseason favorite to win another one. Um, oh, yeah. that, that they are right now the team to beat in the SEC for sure. Obviously, UConn, as long as. Uh, Gino is there, is going to be the program that everybody looks at. Stanford with Van Devere, though she has come up short in the postseason numerous times. Uh, but, no, Kim Mulkey right now, um, I think you can make a case that, yeah, LSU not only won the national title, they're going to be favored to win another and maybe even another. I mean, this has got the makings of a dynasty right now. And just to show you, Mike Huguenin with us, um, you would think that you mentioned after coming up for, after a national championship, you recruit well, it could be a dynasty in the making, which makes it so hard to fathom for me for LSU football after that 2019 season where they were, many thought, the greatest team to ever play the game of college football. They backed that up with the top four um, ranked recruiting class. But when you look closer, they had three five stars in that class. And these names are going to all sound familiar to you. Uh, the highest ranked was Arik Gilbert. Then they had Eli Ricks and Kayshawn Booty. Gilbert's on his third team. He's at Nebraska now. Ricks got hurt. He never made his way to Alabama. He left. And Booty, well, look how that played out. Um, so you never, ever know. And that whole class um, 20, I mean, they had 25 signees of the 25, um, 16 transferred. Yeah, that's six. I, mean, I, I they're, think they're part gone. of that is, uh, Orgeron obviously caught lightning in a bottle. Um, Mulkey is not, Mulkey won national titles before. Right. She's a better right. coach than Ed Orgeron. Yep. That's yep. the bottom line. Um, and, and you're, I mean, you brought up those names. Eric Gilbert obviously had some off-field issues that he has not yep. been able to overcome. Eli Ricks never improved after his true freshman season. And I think he was, oh, I had a really good true freshman season. I'm a big guy. I didn't do anything in Alabama, so what? I'm turning pro anyway. And then he went undrafted. And then Keishon Butte, I thought, 
was going to have a monster season last year. It took him a while to adjust to Daniels and vice versa. I think ultimately his his time at LSU was going to be a what you know what could have been kind of thing. But Gilbert and Ricks to me are guys who again I think Gilbert's got problems that go beyond football. Ricks. Um, Ricks looked good for what the first seven games of his two freshman season, and then yeah. and then after that, really did nothing at all nothing. Nothing. the last two seasons. And yeah. I, it was mind blowing to me to see there was there was still a lot of talk about Eli Ricks last year during the season, even though he was not playing in Alabama. Oh, this guy's going to be a great pro. And like, what, right. what are you seeing that nobody else is seeing? I mean, yes, he's Undrafted. a big guy and played well as a true freshman, but goodness gracious, two years of nothingness. Yeah, he went undrafted. Booty went to the sixth round. Jaquelin Roy went in the fifth round. The highest drafted player they had was B.J. Ogilari, number 41 overall in the second round. Max Johnson, the quarterback, transferred to, to uh, Texas A&M. Dwight McGlothern, the defensive back, transferred to Arkansas. Corey Moya, a wide receiver, transferred to Auburn. I mean, all these guys, Allie Gay, undrafted. So uh, not only did they did a lot of them leave because of the coaching change, but a lot of them, they weren't developed. And that that LSU had a chance, Mike, I believe, if they had their their ducks in a row, they may have become what Georgia is now with with the talent and the and the recruiting and the development, they could have been on this role like Georgia. But Man, they fell asleep at the wheel, and that wheel came tumbling off. And, man, it, it took Brian Kelly to kind of get the Ducks back in order, right? Uh, yeah, just, I, I think if Brian Kelly had been coached in 2019, it, granted, you, that, that, you can't say that because who knows if Joe Burrow would have transferred there, whatever. But That's right. let's put it this That's way. Right. If Brian Kelly would not have had the fall off, that they, I mean, LSU fell off the table. And I think that yeah. directly goes back to a lack of – whatever at the top. I don't think that yeah. kind of thing is ever going to happen with, with Brian Kelly. Um, I, I think he takes things too seriously. I think he has things that are much more regimented in place. And it's almost like, you know, Orgeron was sort of, I almost thought he was always, almost winging it in 2020, and everything obviously fell apart. And, and, and Georgia proved. I mean, they won a national championship, and they lost 15 players to the NFL draft. They came back and won another one. Um, they just are a better run organization. Organization, with a coach and that's that... you're right. I mean, I think there is a lot of a, a lot of stuff has permeated the NFL from college football. It sort of has moved up, but I think also the idea of organizations don't don't think of schools as as schools. Think of them as organizations. And Georgia certainly is a well-run organization. Alabama is a well-run organization. Ohio State, which I don't think has had a losing record this century, is a well-run organization. And that's what happens when you know Florida in the '90s was a well-run organization. FSU under Bowden was a well-run organization. You had things in place, and expectations were met and all that kind of stuff, but you're right. I mean, Georgia going to be interesting this fall a little bit to see, okay, now Todd Munkin's gone. 
what is Mike Bobo going to do? And I think there's a lot of a lot of people out there questioning how good an offensive coordinator is Mike Bobo. And then you look at the roster and you look at their schedule, and you're like, if he's adequate, George is going to be fine. But it, it's the, the coaching change thing, um, the term the turmoil with staffs. I think George has overcome that. Alabama has overcome that. I'm not sure LSU did under Warshaw. I think there was a lot of turmoil from the top down. And I think that's one reason that 2021, 2020 and 2021 were not good seasons for LSU. Mike Hugan with us. Um, in your state uh, today, Mayor Lenny Curry of Jacksonville said the Florida-Georgia game would move from Jacksonville for two seasons because of upcoming wholesale renovations of the stadium in Jacksonville that would impact Uh, The Gators, the Bulldogs, and the NFL Jaguars who would have to play somewhere else. You're in charge of the the cocktail party. What do you do in those two years? Do you give one game to Gainesville, one game to Athens, or do you find another neutral site? No, that's what they did in the 90s um, when they – renovated the old Gator Bowl for the Jaguars. They played one year in Athens and one year in Gainesville. Um, And if you're a Florida fan, um, it was the most points ever allowed by Georgia. And Spurrier's first comment in the the post game was, we just scored the most points ever by an opponent at Sanford Stadium. So um, he was well aware of that. I think the danger, um, given how strong Kirby Smart is, um, on the idea that that should not be played at a neutral site. Um, I, I love neutral site games, and there's only three left, Florida, Georgia, Army, Navy, and Oklahoma, Texas. Um, and as a Florida alum, I like Florida, Georgia being in Jacksonville. Um, you hope that this two-year lull doesn't lead to um, it becoming a home-and-home. Home. Um, back when they did it in the 90s, it was not a call – Oh, we got this. This needs to be a home and home. Instead, everybody was like, "Okay, just for two years, people are going back to Jacksonville." Jacksonville, thankfully, but um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think it will be going to Gainesville and Athens in those two seasons, and and hopefully, it won't stay in Gainesville and Athens. Would like Orlando bid for something like that? I think they would, post? but um, the stadium here is not high caliber. Um, okay. They they need to do a lot of fixing up of the Citrus Bowl, or I guess it's Camping World Stadium now. Right, um, right. It, it's not, it's not, I mean, they do have, they do have, obviously, big-time neutral site games here, and LSU yeah. fans who will come to Orlando this fall will realize there's a lot of stuff to do in Orlando, and then you get to the game itself, and, wow, this stadium, um, this needs some improvement. So, yeah. but um, I, I think, yeah, I think Orlando wants to be a big player in that kind of stuff. I just don't think the stadium is going to let them be a big player. Okay. Well, it's ironic. LSU ended their season in Orlando, blowing out Wake Forest, and they'll start their season this year in Orlando in the biggest matchup non-conference schedule uh, with Florida State. Ought to be terrific. Mike Huguenin, as always, you are the best. Man, we jumped all over the place, and you handled it with the greatness that you always do. I can't thank you enough, big guy. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week, man. We'll do it again next time. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Mike Huguenin with us. We'll take our uh, final timeout. Some birthday wishes coming your way next. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like the Louisiana Lottery. So many games to play, so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you actually start playing. So play by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit. Um, Everything you want, gas, everything inside the store for your travel needs. And if you're really hungry, man, that true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, everything fresh, cooked to order. I highly recommend their cheeseburger. It is world famous. And by Cajun Chef, crawfish season's going great. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with some Cajun Chef hot sauce. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, keep your eyes on the NBA prize. Two game fives tonight could be a closeout. The Heat with a three games to one lead at Madison Square Garden taking on the New York Knicks and the Lakers with a three games to one lead on the road against the Golden State Warriors. Do they close it out or do we go to game six? I think the Heat close it out. I think the Warriors survive and advance to the game six later on. We shall see. Special thanks to Shamit Dua for uh, sharing his NBA insight with us. Chris Roseverglue, the great story. Foster Moreau signs a contract with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Shoot, he's he's beaten it and he's going to be back on the field with the Saints. That's awesome. And then Mike Huguenin. So, so very good. If today, May 10th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Uh, the singer, you too, Bono, is uh, 63 years young today. Um, Chris Berman, the highlights, all the fun things we used to listen to. Chris Berman from ESPN, 68 years old today. And he won three national championships in 1999, in 2004, and 2011, all at Connecticut. Jim Calhoun is 81 years old today. James Mesh, thank you for everything you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Coming up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Have a great day. So long, everybody.